Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Break Every Busy Woman Deserves. I am always excited to be here. It's been, it's a glorious day today, and I was just talking about how I'm covered in dog fur because my dog joined the dance party, so that's good times. <sighs> I hope everybody's having a wonderful day, and um, and I'm really, really excited to have Michelle Butt joining us today. Michelle is one of our phenomenal speakers for the 100 Women on Fire event, which uh, you may have heard, has been recently postponed to a gorgeous October day. Um, I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. And um, I think, so it's fitting that you are here with us today, Michelle. So thank you for joining me. So too, yeah. yeah. Um, Michelle, I had the pleasure of hearing you speak at a networking event. Um, I, I literally, it feels like six lifetimes ago, but I'm pretty sure it was just a few months back. And um, I'm absolutely unequivocally fascinated by what you do. And I came home from listening to you speak. I'm like, oh my God, I need to know all these things. And I don't know if you remember. So during your um, talk, I was just like, dumb talk. If you're, if you're just listening to this, like my face jaw drop, because I'm like, I, I need to know these things. I need to know what's going on. So please, Michelle, let everyone know what it is that you do that I find so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I consider myself um, a facial intelligence expert. So really what I do is I help people communicate and connect better with each other. Uh, and the primary tool that I utilize with that is the face. So features, markings, wrinkles, all tell us something about somebody's personality and who they are. And when you can read those, then you can um, connect with people better and more profoundly, and especially in these times. <laughs> Absolutely. So of course, the question I have is, like, what do you see? What is happening here? And I, when you, you shared a bunch of... Um, sort of like archetypes, I guess, and, and sort of different sort of categories people could fall into. And I remember being like, I don't know which one I'm in. I don't know what my face looks like. Yeah. And I did, and I felt like I might've been the only one in the room because everybody see was like, oh, I look like that person. I'm going to go sit over there. I look like this. And I'm like, I don't know. And I ended up moving towards a group of people and the, the sample person was Meryl Streep. Now, I don't at all think I look like Meryl Streep, but for some reason I'm like, I think I'm supposed to sit over here. And when you spoke about all the different um, attributes and the different nuances of uh, facial structure and, and all of the components, I was like, oh, I understand now why I saw myself. I couldn't find myself because there was a little bit of me in different pockets. And um, again, I'm, I'm just so intrigued to learn more about that. So Tell us a little bit about your journey into the facial intelligence world um, and, and really what inspired you to become the expert in this field. Uh, okay. Well, I think for me, this journey started back in 2008, 2009. So we're going on what, 12 years now, I guess. Um, and really what was happening to me is that I had just a few years prior started uh, my own coaching practice. I had learned a bunch of things and learned a way to connect with people, but I wasn't finding the results that we were supposed to get. And, um, you know, and I was also going through some things in my personal life where it just felt like, oh, how am I missing that? Right. And we rely on the things we hear very often where and when you start thinking about all of the senses we have access to, there's five of them that give us information. 
we tend to like focus on one. Usually that's words and, you know, there's all this um, talk about, you know, a great leader or a great partner or a great relationship is based on your ability to listen, but we still filter all of that information. So what I started kind of researching was, okay, well, we hear a bunch of things, but we interpret that. But what else do we have access to that can give us information about other people so that we aren't missing things or we can see what they're trying to tell us but aren't articulating verbally as well as they might want to? And so I thought, well, we see a lot of stuff and really 83% of the information we take in comes from our visual sense. So... Um, so I thought, okay, how can I use that better? And so I went to my favorite place in the world to think where I can't go right now, which is chapters. And I was wandering around and I just came across a book on face reading. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And when I picked it up and I started looking through it, I thought, oh, nice. And I put it back, but then it was just calling to me. So I had to, I had to get it and I brought it home, read it in a week a week a day and said this is uh this is the tool that i was missing this is what we all need to know that we don't and um so i found that person who wrote that book and started learning directly from her for the next two years and then kind of took that and all the other things that i had studied and brought them into this facial intelligence umbrella that now i teach i'm i'm a love of learning person. And I too could spend an entire week's vacation in chapters. <laughs> and um, I noticed that when I learn something new, I, and, and you know, I, I understand how the brain works and I get really sort of fascinated and I can see it everywhere. But then I, I literally start looking around my immediate world and start applying my knowledge as I can. So did you find that was, did your world turn into like just constant face reading? Yeah. And you know what? It, it, can't, it, can't, it turned into a constant like, oh my God, that's why. You know, <laughs> that's what it was. It was like, oh, that's why we're not communicating properly. Or that's why she's having this problem over and over again. All of a sudden it was like people's features were speaking to me, which they do. But now it was in a language I could understand because I got the dictionary, you know? <laughs> and so it was like, oh, okay. Or, all right, just try it this way. And then, oh my goodness, we're not fighting now. We're actually having a conversation because I just changed the way I say things because you, your face is now telling me you don't receive it that way. But if I massaged it you would receive it this way and that's why it's like this magic communication rosetta stone kind of thing because <laughs> you just you know you understand the why you know you might be attracted to someone and not just as a partner but even as a friend as a colleague whatever because there's certain things that you have in common but there's certain things that their perspective is different than yours and that also attracts you, but you're not sure why. And then, you know, understanding all the nuances of all the features begins to put together, oh, this is how we work well together or not, or, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, fascinating. That's literally my, gonna be my word of the day because I'm just like mind blowing. <laughs> I need that little emoji with the off the top of my head. Um, because I have believed for a long time, um, in my before times life, I was a my way or the highway, you don't like it, get the hell out of my way kind of person. And everything was just so extremely orderly. I had everything figured out. And if you didn't understand the way that I was doing it, then that's your fault, not mine. Which unfortunately, um, at looking back, was maybe not ideal. And I have learned a lot. Um, and I truly believe that communication is the root of all success. So, you know, as opposed to what the normal saying was or the common saying about uh, communication being the root of the other thing. But anyway, and I find that I'm often having conversations with people in my world or with my clients about perspective shifting. So to better understand ourselves, 
often it's important to take a shift, it, to shift our perspective to sort of see ourselves and our experience differently, but to also be able to suspend our model of the world so that we can better understand how someone else might be experiencing a situation. And um, I know that this particular tool um, would be a huge attribute to someone who is working on that skill of being able to set aside sort of all of the the understandings or beliefs that we hold on to just for a second just so that you can actually have an open communication as opposed to a one where you know i got teflon and everything you're saying is bouncing right off mm -hmm. um and the the snippets of information that you shared with me allowed me to take a sort of a deeper look at at me, right? So, you know, there's the, those generalized characteristics of the different um, core groups. And, but that really helped me to ask some more reflective questions, some deeper questions about me and how I show up and what that means. And then, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm the only one I can control in a conversation, right? So mm -hmm. I can't. Um, so, did you? when you were exploring this a little bit further, what would you say that were some of the, the challenges you ran into um, as you learned more about you? I th yeah, I th that's a really good question. I think that one good thing to understand what I learned was, okay, oh yeah, this is me. Because, oh yeah, yeah, I do that, I do that, that's me. Oh my God, this is so great. My face is telling me this is me. But, you know, all the, there was two big ahas. One was all the things that I was beating myself up about that were me. I began to see the underlying intention of those or that that is me and it's the way I'm wired. It's the way I was designed. I chose this face, which means I chose the personality that goes with it on some level. So I don't have to apologize for it or feel bad for it. Or, you know, I will never have a Meryl Streep nose. So I just won't be as detail oriented as she is or you are, but that's okay. That's, I, I have other things that are strengths and I don't have to have the same kinds of strengths as that person, as somebody else, but I still do have a nose. So I can tap in to all of those things, but through the filter that most resonates with me. So through language or um, activities that go through, that will unlock the door to get me to more detail rather than that being my first door, if you know what I mean. So Absolutely. I think that was what was key for me and then key for me to then impart to other people. It's that, mm -hmm. you know what, just because you're not naturally a doer doesn't mean you'll never get stuff done. You just have to go through a different path than someone who just takes action head on from the moment they wake up, right? So, and it's okay to be you as long as you're using who you are appropriately and it's not a cop out. It's not, you know, so, and, and then understanding that if that's not who you are, but someone else like that is in your world, how you work with them, communicate with them so that they don't feel like you're not pulling your weight or they don't feel like you're um, not respecting them or whatever the case may be, because they have a different way of showing up. And, um, and they show you in their face that, and so then you can adapt so that resonance happens more easily. Beautiful. I really, what came to me, the, the words that popped up was this idea of not enoughness, which of course is very prominent in, in, with women and in the coaching world. And it's something that we talk about regularly, but this feeling of, you know, not being enough and having to be all the things all the time. Yeah. And what a gift to be able to just allow and be and know that it's not about having low expectations. It's literally about having amazing high expectations, but understanding that your road to that is not the same as the person beside you. Um, and I think that that's a really, that's a really powerful awareness. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that we only have so many words to describe a 
the way we feel. And, you know, even in that one concept, like that was one of the major things that I was taught in my coaching lessons was everybody has an underlying not enoughness concept. That's where everybody's root causes. But it, it isn't in the sense that, you know, someone with a certain facial structure that will be their core thing. It's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough. It's not enough. But somebody else, that same base emotional place isn't necessarily that. It's that I'm worried that if I don't do all the things, you're not going to love me. And that's very different from not being enough. But it can result in the same anxiety, the same stuckness, the same, you know, the same presentation of the illness, but the diagnosis on how to treat it has to be different because their core feeling, even though it looks like, oh, I have to do everything, it's not because they're feeling lack, which is kind of that not enough. They're feeling worry and their worry is translating this way, or they're feeling unlovable, or they're just feeling primal fear or, you know, and so that was the big Another big thing that this work gave me was that we have only this many words, but those words have a different base intention in everybody, depending on what their face says about, you know, their emotional go-to place. Right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I, I think in, you know, in my teachings or in the, what I learned was this idea of the label of the label was the label in which we give the word or the meaning in the context. I think it's a really powerful thing to be aware of. And again, coming back to, um, you know, understanding someone's facial, uh, structure, um, it, it's a, it's like a window into the meaning in which they may give to certain words that, that get used and used and used in, in a variety of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. Um, so what is it? Walk us through a little bit about what that would be like. So I, I come to you and I'm like, okay, <laughs> do me, <laughs> read my face. <laughs> and, and I, and I learn a lot. What is my, what is, what is the next sort of step for me? If I'm, let's say I'm facing challenges, um, seeing some success in my life or, or communicating effectively, or, you know, you can pick any problem that I may have. Um, and then what, what was that journey look like for, for me? Um, if I were to work with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the journey is two things. I think one, it is that I would want you to start learning what faces in general say. So, you know, it, it takes years to become an expert, but it's like, you know, at least you can learn the rules of the game. So some of those things like what, what certain features mean or, um, how to recognize changes in your own features in the mirror so that you can see almost on a day-to-day -day basis where you're starting off and where you're ending up. Um, so when someone does work with me, they, you know, the first kind of session is we're, we're learn getting a, they're getting an idea of what their features are actually saying to me about who they are, their life experience. And then there's a overtime analysis of the things that are going on that they might want to change or even how they want to show up more authentically in their business or their relationships based on making everything they do and how they communicate to the world match who they really are. Uh, because we tend to end up becoming or thinking or behaving in a lot of ways in the ways we were taught in our experiences in relationships with our parents with our friends partners and some of that then becomes learned behavior that isn't innate and so what is learned that's serving you what's innate that you've forgotten or that potentially you're sitting on the challenge side instead of the gift side of and if you changed your perspective you could really be on that gift side and <laughs> That little captivator you have there. 
sorry, and then, the you know, <laughs> playing with those strengths and then just learning how to do that and then learning how to connect with people in your world. So, you know, people who are close to you, then understanding what their faces specifically say, but then learning how to read faces in general, even on a high level, so that you can go know how to, you know, talk to your pharmacist or that new client or just a second yeah go please thank you go find a grown-up please <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that um yes 100 percent captivator there by the way it, based on the yeah. little knowledge that i have and yes <laughs> there's so many things i so many questions i have um I apologize for the, the distraction. I, I got pulled away there. Um, would, so knowing that if you were to be observing and, and focusing inward and, and sort of um, understanding again, what's innate and what is learned, uh, do we have some control there as to how we then want to show up? Like, let's say I was noticing something as it was sort of evolving. Would I be able to shift that and sort of, I don't want to say stop it, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the big things that I look for is, um, is wrinkles. Like wrinkles are just indications of a consistent pattern of an emotional state. And so when you start seeing those or seeing certain ways that you're holding your face, for example, then you can say, oh, okay, that's showing up. And why is that? So, you know, especially now in these times and for women, um, like just as an example, you tend to see this kind of downturn or a perma frown in a way that shows up. And, you know, that's really just over giving and a pattern of disappointment or worry and, um, you know, not enough self-care or not enough, you know, thinking so much of things that maybe aren't going well, forgetting to remember the things that are going well and smiling and that kind of stuff. So, you know, we can all probably remember a time when we looked in the mirror and said, oh, why am I looking at myself with a frown? And if you kind of wake up every morning for a week like that, then it might be, okay, now I know that that means potentially I need more self-care, potentially I'm carrying way too much weight, I need to ask for some help. Potentially, I'm just spending too much time in the worry space, and I really need to think about finding more positive things to think about, or even consciously setting my alarm so I smile every 15 minutes, even if I force it. So I think <laughs> that, you know, musculature, so it tells my brain, oh, I should be happy now, not sad, right? And so you can start to consciously do the things that will counteract that unconscious pattern that you're currently stamping into and then you know over time and with help we tend to you know as people we aren't so aware of all the patterns that have been there forever that we need to then get help to counteract but really you know the face is this you know, ever-changing record of who we are every day. It's like our story and every day we're writing a new page, but some of them it's on repeat and we're just copying and pasting from the day before, the year before. Right. And so learning how to look at that and say, is this a copy and paste or is this a new story that I'm writing? Can, you can then, you know, change what comes next. Absolutely. And I love that analogy and, and people who have listened to me for a little while know that I absolutely love that analogy because I, I'm a huge fan of the idea that you are consistently and constantly able to, to write your story um, any way you see fit. And if you don't make that conscious choice, it, it will just continue to loop on you and yeah. you'll keep getting what has always, always been and, and continue to run the patterns and same thoughts, you know, think the same 80,000 thoughts a day and just keep writing it down and writing it down. So, so thank you again for that added component. Um, uh, and, and, an additional perspective in, in way that, so that we can sort of dig a little bit deeper into that idea of, of shifting the story. If, if it's not the one that we feel aligns with, with how we want to show up in the world. Right. So what is your, what's the next chapter of your story? 
what uh, I know that you, I, if, and I was so grateful to receive your email uh, this morning and because it had been a long time since you had been communicating with your peeps. And um, so I'm, fa I'm interested in knowing what, what your, what, what do you have going on? What's, what's next for you? Other than of course the hundred women on fire, which is now yeah. way off in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for me, what I, what I, you know, I kind of tried to, well, I try, I, I hope every day I'm practicing what I preach. And so one of the things that I was noticing in my face was that there was a lot of, um, undealt with emotions so um, and you know and that shows up right here under our eyes and um, and so I was noticing that that area was darker than I liked it to and naturally that's kind of my personality anyway as a sage I tend to keep things inside and not not talk about them as much and that's you know there's just all sorts of other great things about that there's depth and creativity and all of that so there's always a plus and a you know a challenge in any feature but I was just noticing and I thought okay so I need to take the time to deal with all that emotional stuff that's kind of happened in the last couple of years with all the changes in my life with you know my ex-husband had passed away so all of a sudden I was full full-on parent to the four kids and then we had challenges with his estate and a bunch of things so I just thought I need to focus where my emotions are because not dealing with them is not helping me move forward in all the relationships in my life my business my you know all everything so i decided to take a retreat for the first three months that was planned anyway <laughs> covid19 kind of just snuck in there as a, a fun thing to do on the side but and so i really just spent time you know restructuring my family letting us all dig into the grief that we needed to and feel the new the new normal that is now a newer normal with everything else and mm -hmm. and it was good all the little and i think that's what we need to realize is we have to honor um how each of us needs to process things because especially in our society we don't process, we, we aren't really good at sages. We aren't good at retreats and going into the cave and because we're a go, go, go kind of, you know, so we're all imposed warriors in a way in this world. And so I was like, no, I gotta do what I need to do for, for this um, time and for this family. So we did really, and it worked. Everything that was kind of sitting in limbo cleared itself up just in time for us not to have to worry about a lot of things that other families are worrying about right now um, in terms of connecting and finances and all of that. All of that straightened itself out. Um, so that gave me a lot of perspective on, wow, when you honor who you are and you, you really understand how to connect with everyone in your world, then you can show up better and everything that potentially could cause you to worry or stress can go away. Um, so not that there isn't any worry or stress, but the things that five months ago I might have had to worry about, I don't right now. And so it was perfect timing for me because it, with what's happening now in the world, I realize more than ever, when you can honor who you are, then you can really see how you need to overcome challenges and you can you know, work within your own comfort places that will then help you stretch out of your comfort zone, right? To do what you need to do to show up for the world and and then connect in different ways, connect more um, authentically, virtually, because you're not in that space where you can feel people, but you can still feel them through their features and, mm. you know, present that same kind of warmth in a different way. So that's kind of what's next for me is really showing people how to use this as the connection tool wherever you are. Absolutely. And, and, and again, timing and how everything falls into place. And um, so many uh, people who are new to the online space um, and, and we're connecting regularly multiple times a day in this format now to have that added um, component to to be able to um, fortify or strengthen relationship building um, over the digital landscape 
that that's going to be a huge, huge asset moving forward. Because regardless of where the world turns and, and what ends up happening and when that ends up happening, I think that now that this door has been opened and a lot of people are seeing the huge benefit um, and, and yes, we are going to get back into spaces together. We are going to continue to, to connect together. Um, but so many more people are now becoming aware of this tool and I, I it's not going to get quickly forgotten. So I think that, um, again, that would be a, a phenomenal thing to be sharing that gift with, with people and, and so that they can increase their capacity for communication in, in this platform. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and have it feel you know, just as good as if they were face to face, right? right. Um, because in a way we are face to face, but we're just not proximally feeling each other's energy. But, you know, I think we need to get used to a, more and more of the world at large needs to realize that energy is, you know, everywhere. And so you can portray that even in this space if you, it doesn't have to feel cold like people right. think it, or may have thought before. Like now we're like, oh, well, we have to connect this way. So we're going to make it work. Right. But, you know, there's still this, it's almost like, um, I was talking to my assistant yesterday about it. It's like, there's going to have to be a virtual etiquette around connecting <laughs> because right. it's so easy to be distracted when you're online. Cause you think, oh, they can't really see me. Um, you right. know, but when you're face to face, they see you. So you can't, talk to someone and hold your phone or look at it over in the corner. You know? so, right. Exactly. So and it, it, it will likely get to the space where, you know, there will be that idea of you need to have your camera on because this is, this is part of the process. It's if I wanted to just phone it in, I would have just phoned it in. Right. If so, yeah. if this meeting was, was meant to just be on the phone or through email, then that it could have been done that way. But when this yeah. opportunity, you know, this opportunity is here and, and I, I'm thinking about, you know, so my background in particular, this is, this is, this is my home. This, this is actually my office. Although it, you notice that there are people run through it because I made this office when nobody was here 24 <laughs> seven. Um, but I think that is something that we can, once we learn about us and, and get a deeper connection to who we are and knowing that we're going to be displaying and portraying that, that may impact what I want to show, not just like, these are my branding colors and, and, and here's my poster for my event that's behind me, although that's, that's doable. Um, but to, to use sort of my environment to enhance my face and all the things that are going on with my face so that I can uh, present a clear message uh, more effectively. Yeah. And I mean, even for people who you are connecting with this way, like it's, it, it's almost like it will be the same as it would be if you were having that face to face. So if you're, you know, having a face to face with a nurturer, it would be nice to say, let's have a coffee chat and make sure you have that coffee. So they know that you're meeting kind of over a meal because regardless of that is, that makes them feel comfortable. But you know, you're meeting with a Royal you want to have your makeup done and you don't want to look like you're sitting in your sweats because you wouldn't do that when you were sitting with them in, in a room because they love the perfectionism of a good presentation. And so you still want to translate that, but you could sit in your sweats with the nurturer. She's not going to care as long as you got your coffee and your cookie there too, then, you know, she'll be happy. So it's right. understanding even here how to present yourself because just because you are at a home office doesn't mean that everybody thinks you should, it's okay. Or, right. you know, or you don't have to dress up for everybody. It would be like, oh, if I was sitting with them in an office or a coffee shop, how would I look? And you would change that potentially for who your client is if, if that's your style, but also if you really were aware of who they were and you knew their face, even so that translates online as well. It can, right? So talk to me a little bit about uh, sort of, I guess that fine line between, because so many women are multi-hat wearing women. We're, we're tired of having to switch personas for other people's. And I know that's not what you're saying. So um, talk to me a little bit about what it would mean to sort of shift to then be sort of congruent with who you're speaking with without not being your, like, it's not about not being you, right? So if I had not a drop of Royal in me 
and which is so not true, but if I didn't, um, and it didn't even occur to me to do what a Royal would do, um, then obviously I'm not going to do that. But so it's, it's, it's not about being something you're not, it's about sort of being more mindful or what would you say? Yeah, it's about doing things differently to build rapport because you, the rapport on video, as much as even in person, it actually starts before you start talking because we do use those visual clues first, whether or not we know we're consciously doing it. So, you know, the beauty of facial intelligence as opposed to body language is that you can get that idea of who someone is by looking at a picture of them. So you see their Facebook picture, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to potentially have this first client meeting with this person on Zoom tomorrow. Oh, they look this way. Well, I know that these things are potentially going to be important to them. So if I want to show that I understand them and that I can help them and serve them, then I want to present myself in a way that shows that I resonate with them even before we start talking because it's already going to be awkward enough. So it's not that you have to be a chameleon or you have to be inauthentic. It's how are you showing up for that person for what they need from you? So by potentially putting on makeup when you might not normally, you're showing them that, oh, I respect the things that are important to you because I know that, you know, having a not that this is all royals care about, but just for example, they like to see a put together person who pays attention to details because they're not gonna let you get into their details if they think you don't understand details. So, you know, if you come on disheveled, you might still be the best coach in the world and you might be the one who could help them, but if they can't see that and feel that instantly, then they're not gonna trust you or it's going to take you so much more time for them to believe you. And so why not use what they're telling you about them to say, you know, it's like if you handed them a personality test and they said they were an introvert, you wouldn't say, oh, tell me all about your childhood as the first question. You would know, okay, I need to ask, right? It's like using their face as that personality test, but starting before they even know you know them. And then they're like, wow, they really care about the details. I, I can share stuff with them. They're not going to forget. They're not going to, you know, push it to the side, you know, and that's just one kind of personality. So, you know, this work can even enhance virtual connections, but it's that way in real life too. You don't want to be inauthentic. Like I, you know, I'm not going to wear neon pink for a captivator I just won't but I might you know be a little bit more bubbly or put on a little bit of red or something brighter than I normally would just to kind of resonate with them right and right. so um you know I and I also try to say it's like if you look at it like a first date on your first date you want that person to show up at their best or to remember that you like something you know if, if you tell them I know it's been a long time since a lot of us have had a first date, but you know, if you say, oh, I love plaid shirts and he shows up in stripes, then he didn't listen to you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's just like you, you bring your best first date to every interaction until it's time to just sit in your comfy cozies on the couch. Right. So, and I'm thinking about how this would be a great, it's a, it's great information all around, but the, for that self-knowledge of when you feel like you've pushed beyond the limit of you, recognizing what that will do to this potential relationship and whether or not you can maintain that level of outside of your norm at the, at the intensity that the relationship requires. And if that, if you cannot, then understanding what that means for that relationship, and maybe it is not meant you're not meant to be in that, in that capacity, in that relationship. Um, so for the business people, like understanding your ideal client based on your zone of genius, whatever that is, so that you don't feel stretched every time you need to meet with a client. So you want to feel like you are in, I don't want to say your comfort zone, but literally in your zone where it feels like I'm still myself here, makeup or no makeup or sweats or no sweats or, or whatever it may be, but it's still me in that authentic space. So if you, if you sense that, in order to meet them where they are, you're, you're, you're at that, like that dangerously inauthentic line where it doesn't feel like you, um, 
to be able to recognize that and, 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 and do what's necessary to keep yourself in a good space. And what I'm thinking of is like my teenage self, like, oh, honey, I was stretched beyond what was comfortable for me. Like, you know, I was somebody different for every person and very little of it felt good. And, um, you know, ended up in relationships where it was like, this is what I should want. This is who I should be with. This is what I'm supposed to be doing these things. And those patterns of behavior, the early stages of, of my adulthood, then got laid down and brought me into a space where I'm in a working environment where I'm like, I keep shitting, like I should feel good here. So I keep pushing myself out and not, it doesn't feel like me, but that's okay because because this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I should be able to engage. And if I'm not, it's my fault. It's, and and yeah. now I'm thinking that it's more, it's my responsibility to, yeah. to honor me. Yeah. And absolutely, you can almost tell if you're going to be a good fit by with someone, potentially by looking at their face. Not that you would say, oh, well, I'm not going to, you're not going to be my client. But, you know, there definitely will be people who drain you and you might say, okay, I'm not going to be the best coach I can be for you because I just know I don't innately have those tools for you and it's going to be a big stretch. But I know someone who could be. For you because they just and that's okay right and so this is where you get to honor yourself or for me sometimes you know there are very certain faces that I tend to attract because they need the level of understanding I can give them but it's very draining so when I know that it's like okay but I don't book back to black clients when I know that that's person you know when I've got you know, five captivators in a row. It's just too much. But I could, you know, say, okay, I can help them, but then I need to take the appropriate downtime that my system needs to reset because that takes a lot out of me. And, you know, we do that. We have that with our kids. Like captivator kids take more energy out of us than our, you know, nurturer kids who help us cook dinner or whatever. And so you just adjust. It doesn't mean you don't show up for everybody, but you learn how they affect your system and then what you need to bring your system back into balance so that you can show up for them again and again in the way they need and make it more individual but not so so taxing that then we're we're depleted you know as, as people in the service industry that's very important but even within our own families and our our relationships we almost do have to show up differently for everybody and and when you do that makes everything so much more meaningful but it is hard because we tend to just want to show up the way we want to show up. And it's like, yeah. all right, too bad. Take me or leave me. This is me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and, and that's unfortunately where sometimes relationships have their, have challenges is because everybody needs a little bit of a different way of connecting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sometimes we have to do it more consciously than unconsciously. And that's work. And, and I think that your, your tools help us to, to sort of ground it in that conscious space. I think a lot of us in listening can go, I, I know this, like part of me knows this, but to be able to be um, aware of it enough in the moment so that it feels fluid um, and, and that we can make it, you know, anything new, you have to kind of make it happen and until it becomes unconscious and that takes time. But um, so, there was a tool that you had, um, like a quick assessment. Is that still available to, for someone yeah. who's interested? Awesome. So can you tell us about that? Because I think that um, the people listening on the call, you know, because you've alluded to the captivator, yeah. the nurturer. The, and so maybe let us know what sort of the, the categories are and then um, how we can figure that out. Yeah, so the webs on the website currently, I think there are two quizzes there that you can just go. So um, it's michellebutt.com. That's the easiest way to get there. And so one will tell you um, what kind of decision maker you are. So uh, based on, so really what I do, how I do it when, um, when we're in a group setting is kind of show some pictures and say, pick the one that you think is yours or uh, who's your celebrity lookalike that you think of. Um, and like we were talking, like you kind of picked Meryl Streep, but 
it's it's almost that what is it in her features that you resonate with because unconsciously you're reading her and you're saying oh i think we have some things in common here and that's really what you're looking for and so based on that then depending on which celebrity lookalike you choose then potentially you're choosing one of your strong archetypal natures and um and then uh with the quiz it'll send you some information on what that means for you based on whoever you choose. And you know, we all have all the features, so we have access to all of those characteristics. We just, depending on the size and shape and the combinations of features, we'll have some things in more abundance than others, you know, readily and innately available to us. Right. And what I uncovered, or I had a little tiny aha moment when I was listening, when I was at your session and I, you know, I was like, I think I'm over here with Meryl Streep, very, you know, the detail oriented, the respect time. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. It felt like my, that was sort of at my core. And then I looked over at Reba McIntyre. I'm like, oh, but honey, that I'm all over that girl. Like I, I, like I felt a real connection there. And then Rachel Ray, who was the nurturer, I'm like, yeah, but I'm a mom. I take care of people all goddamn day. Like this is what I do. And so I was like, how can I be in all these places? Um, and then I recognized that as I evolve, so did my sort of, I was to say my knee jerk, but like the, the more prominent attributes and, and what was necessary for me at a time. Like, so for me in my, and I'll call it my Meryl Streep days, um, I felt like I was in a, a time in my life where structure was, the, was survival and, and having things very orderly was how I was going to make it through everything. And so that was the only way to live. And so, and that was a huge chunk of my life, but as you had sort of pinpointed for me that day, but I was a little kid captivator. Like I was the little spark plug kid and, you know, doing the shows and being the thing. And you'd said something that I really resonated with me because of course, as you saw, I have one of those little captivator kids. Um, being a captivator kid can be really challenging for parents and my parents are great. And nobody, everybody does the best they can. And to maybe not, you know, so the imposed order on top of small wild child, it then became that that's what I, I recognized. That's who I needed to be in order to be able to be perhaps loved or cared for or heard or seen. And then as I evolved as a human, it, the, the sort of maybe some should nurturing came out. Like I have children to be honest, I postponed having children because I was like, that is a lot of work that I don't <laughs> know if I'm ready for. Uh, I was definitely not a born mom. Um, and again, I think back and go, perhaps that was my, my core self still wanted to do the thing. And then here we are, and I'm channeling all the Reba I can channel as often as possible. Um, and, and that was one 20 minute session of you sharing very small tidbits of information. And I just feel like I, I want to know more. I feel like there's so much to that. And, um, and I know that there are going to be a lot of people who will want to, to really dig into this. Um, and so I'm excited. I'll share all the links to your stuff and so that everybody can, can access those two quizzes. And, and then of course, they're going to see you more and more uh, in my world with the 100 Women on Fire. Oh, Michelle. <laughs> and I recognize that um, as a sage and as a captivator that you're like, okay, Dion, great. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. No, I love it. It's, you know, and that's the thing. It's that it's everything has its beautiful place, right? Captivators uh, are get, get people up and out and it's no wonder you start this thing with a dance party like it's just so you and it's perfect uh, so you know that's beautiful but and I think that as you begin to understand yourself whatever through whatever medium that we choose to grow because I, I know that there's tools that we all cycle through right the, the one that works today might not be the one you need two weeks from now or two years from now, whatever it is. But as you, we all grow, then we begin to understand how we've become who we are and then take the best of those things or understand when we're not sitting in the best place of those things. So, you know, a beautifully balanced captivator is an amazing 
amazing contributor to the world, just as is a beautifully balanced all of the rest of them. Um, so, but it is, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be a captivator. It's hard to be a royal. Those are two of the most empathic, um, you know, personalities there are. And so, you know, you're always balancing energy, yours, other people's, you know, everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And someone who is the sage is kind of like a person who just can feel all the energy, but doesn't know what to do with it. And so that's why sometimes those things are draining. Well, personally for me, they're draining, but usually it's when someone's very, very out of balance. Um, and which when you're coaching, you kind of get the, you don't, you get the people who need help. And so they're, they're not in balance. And so to help them is wonderful, but you know, I'm just as drained by warriors who, who want me to move all the time as I am. With, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think we all need to understand, um, but who we are attracting into our lives at certain times tells us a lot about where we're sitting as well and what's right. going on for us and what we're meant to learn, what we're meant to teach, all of that. Right. Awesome. I'm, I'm almost positive. My husband is a sage. Yep. Anyway. We could talk about that later. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Um, Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I learned a lot and I really appreciate you sharing your story and your journey and your knowledge with us today. And I am really looking forward to um, learning more and, and being again and, and continuing um, this conversation, as it were, uh, through the months uh, ahead. Absolutely. Oh, yes. So Deanna is excited uh, and looking forward to taking the quizzes, which I'm not overly surprised knowing Deanna. So <laughs> I know she's laughing right now. I can't even see her and I know she's laughing. So um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you everybody for being here today. And we will see you again uh, in a couple of days. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness. Thank you.